Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. And welcome to this special episode on mental well-being and the superpower of adaptability. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honour to be your host. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Rachel Cole. Rachel lives in Boulder, Colorado, and is an award-winning musician, business owner, and founder of a non-profit organisation. She started the Choose Happiness Project as a way to encourage people to consciously make joy a priority, regardless of what life throws in their way or what is going on in the world. It consists of videos, blogs, and interviews with experts in the field, and an accompanying book titled Choose Happiness. And Rachel also has a second book on the way, which I'm sure she will tell us more about as we get to talk. Welcome, Rachel. Excited to have you on the podcast today. Hi, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. You're welcome. You are welcome indeed. So before we get into today's topic on adaptability, I'd like you to share with our audience a few words on why happiness, why choosing happiness. Sure. Well, I was becoming an empty nester and I was sort of thinking about something to put my efforts into besides what I was already doing. And it's funny how I feel like you get these messages from the universe at times. And I was really kind of thinking about it and kind of waiting to, to kind of figure out what it was going to be. And I was standing in line at the post office of all places. And this woman, this you know, customer was just screaming at this, the poor guy behind the counter. And he was very calm. And I got up to the front and I, I know him. And I was like, Bill, what, how did you handle that? And he said to me, happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to let this angry woman ruin my day? And it was like this huge light bulb because I I really hadn't thought about it that way before I thought well of course we're happy when things go well for us and when things don't go well Mm. then we're not happy but I thought I wonder if that could be a baseline to start from and then of course the next day I saw a journal with the words choose happiness on it and you know little things like that (laughs) right and I thought I wonder if this could be the thing and I started doing some research and I started really thinking about it and it was just a blog to start with and then I started thinking to myself well I know some people who have made a lot of great strides in their lives and who have also overcome Mm. a lot of difficult things, I wonder if they would share their information with me. And that's how the interviews began. Um, And it's, it's been really, really interesting to when you think of it as a choice and you feel like, well, I'm in control of my own happiness. And you think, well, am I? It's like, of course we are. (laughs) Cause it's all, we're so mired down in our thoughts and if our thoughts are positive, I think it's where your, what is it, where your eyes go, your mind will follow, I think something like that. So it's, if we keep thinking positivity over negativity, not that this is easy, I might mm. add, <laughs> but if we keep focused on that, then little by little, we can make that choice to see the silver lining or the good part of a bad situation, or just to not get stuck in all the yuck, if that makes sense. It but certainly that's, does. That's, yeah. yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I think the the more I sort of learn and the more I talk to people, this ability to at least choose to be not not happy, 
um, to, to make that choice to remove the negativity as the first step. And then from there, whether your, your happiness is just a little happy or whether it's ecstasy can sort of vary based on the day and the circumstances, but to try and remove that, that negativity um, from the equation, I think is, is an important part of, of what we're doing. And thank you for doing your bit to help people understand and see that. That's fantastic. And, and I know it's not always easy. You mentioned that. And I know from our discussions that you've had a few curveballs thrown at you recently. And that's we're going to focus on that today when we're going to focus on the superpower of adaptability and how it can help people get through some of these curveballs. So, so maybe you could talk a little bit about these curveballs um, in your own life that you've recently had thrown at you. Sure. So uh, the date was December 30th of 2021. It was actually, my husband's name is Jason. It was Jason's birthday. And my kids who are 22 and 23 were in for the holidays and so we were all sitting around the table. He had just opened presents. We were playing cards. And um, you know how you'll be in the house and the sun will go behind a cloud and the house gets dark? Mm. Like, oh, that, that's weird. And that comes back up. So that happened once. And then it happened a second time. We're like, okay, that's kind of weird. So my daughter got up and looked outside and said, I, I think I see smoke. And we're like, oh, that's, that's odd. Right. Because it was just, it was, you know, sunny and everything. And so uh, about 30 seconds later, our power went out. And then we thought, okay, something's going on. So we all get on our phones and we see there's, I live in Louisville, Colorado, outside Boulder. And we saw there was this grass fire and there were 100 mile an hour winds. And so at that point, we still really didn't know if we were in danger. Mm. And then I got a text from a friend two neighborhoods away who said, the fire department just knocked on my door. You have to evacuate immediately. Wow. So, and unfortunately we didn't get any other kind of a, a you know, a notice about that. Um, so my kids ran and packed up their stuff. Jason went around and videoed the house inside, which was so, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know, to prove, but <laughs> right. that, you know, there's a television or whatever. And I stood in the center of the house. And what I said to myself was what is irreplaceable? Mm. Like that was my only thought. So I grabbed the important documents file. I grabbed our wedding album, which is negatives. It was before digital. And then the kind of the funny part was, as I was running out of the basement with the album, I had the personalized autographed picture of Alex Trebek on my wall. And I thought, that's irreplaceable. So I grabbed that off the wall and kept running. It's so funny where your mind goes. And you know, my laptop, the dog, and we were out. And so at that point, we didn't know if it was going to be 20 minutes, if it was going to be overnight. And we ended up being displaced for six weeks because thankfully our house was still standing, but we had a lot of smoke damage. We had to get rid of a lot of our furniture and textiles. And there were all kinds of, which I could get to, challenges that came along with that. Um, but the next morning, um, our son's friend lives on the other side of town who wasn't affected and he's like, I'm, I'm getting around the police. You know, I can maybe get to your neighborhood. And we were like, if you can, can you please just tell us if it's still standing? So mm. thankfully he got over there and he took a video and he was like, I can see the front of your house. So later on that day, we had to park about a mile away and we were, we were literally walking over smoking rubble that had been our neighbor's home oh. three houses down. Wow. 
And again, the house was still standing, unsafe to be in. Um, and it was, it, it, even now it's hard to describe because it was such a surreal experience. Mm. And your brain kind of goes to, I have to make sense of this. And of course, there is no making sense of it. Yeah. So um, between the, the water and the power and everything, we were displaced, like I said, for six weeks. Um, and I can say we did thankfully make the best of it, but we're still dealing with things like our belongings. Some of them were stolen. Some of them are missing. Mm. You know, a gentleman got fired who was handling our stuff and they lost a bunch of stuff. So it's, it's sort of these, I call them, you know, first world problems. But on the other hand, I really did like those shoes. Right. <laughs> you right. know? So it's, it's been a, definitely been a, a balance. Um, but we're, we're getting on the other side of it. Debris is being removed. New grass is growing. And 900 homes were lost in our area. Wow. So, yeah, it's we do relive the trauma every day driving past. Um, but we're, we're focusing on hope. Well, first of all, amazing, terrible story in so many ways to, to have that, that shock, I suppose, of having to, you know, just five minutes basically to grab what you can and choose not happiness at this point, but choose what's important to you, what really values. And maybe people don't think a bit about that in advance, right? You don't sort of have a a list in your mind of if this thing happens what's important to me what do I care about right. maybe we and should it, maybe we should yeah. maybe we should and I said p.s we really should scan these documents so we have them mm. uh, you know that was something I hadn't thought of before and it was really funny too because you know I didn't bring a toothbrush I didn't bring any clothes because we didn't know and I thought oh well that's replaceable my mind was so on what's irreplaceable and that was interesting, too, that I kind of kicked into that mode. Well, that's really good. And I think that's probably obviously part of your choosing happiness journey, kicking in there subconsciously to to help you do that, not focus on well, what's the most expensive thing in the house. Uh, right. <laughs> yes. Let's grab that. Um, mm. Or, you know, but to think about really what's irreplaceable, what money can't buy. Yes is mm-hmm. is what's most important to you at, at that point mm-hmm. so I think what surprised you what was sort of anything unexpected about you know when you had to do this sort of five minute warning um rush out the house did anything looking back now did anything sort of surprise you um or come across unexpected well you know I- I remember thinking to myself, being so grateful that we were all together because our kids live, one's at college, one lives in Los mm. Angeles. And I thought to myself, I couldn't imagine having them watch this all unfold on TV right. and seeing our neighborhood and the phones were down too. So we couldn't even have communicated with them at the mm. time. So I remember thinking to myself, I, I hate they have to go through this trauma but I'm grateful that we're all together. And I remember sort of thinking to myself, you know, I said, you know, as I'm running, you have your this, you have your that, still kind of playing mom, you know, to these grown kids um, and still kind of wanting to, to protect them in a way. And then I think I said something like, grab the dog because, you know, she was barking and it was, it was this odd chaos. Mm. And yet we were all sort of moving calmly through it, which I also think, your brain does take over and says, we have to do this. I can't just stand here and scream. We have to do this. 
And I think that was surprising because I would have thought it would have been this really over the top circus. Mm. We were all like, okay, we're packing, we're this, do this, grab this. So that, that was a surprise that, uh, my nature would have been otherwise, I think. Right. You remained calm in the storm um, mm-hmm. rather than the Hollywood panic type that you see yeah. on television sometimes. Yeah. And and maybe a little bit about the neighbours then, because, you know, obviously some people did lose their houses. They did sort of lose mm-hmm. everything. Um, have you managed to talk to some of them about you know their experience and how that we- did it make a big difference? You know, it did. And it's interesting because, so we live in a cul-de-sac and the two houses down at the very end were both just rubble, absolute rubble. And the rest of them, of us, we were all standing, but had a lot of damage. And in talking to, and it was such a terrible story because this one house on the end was their dream home. They had put in bids to get it before and they didn't, the people moved, they finally got in. Mm-hmm. They put in a three-story renovation. I mean, this whole, and they were in Texas when it happened. So they could save nothing. Ugh. So, you know, we said, are you going to rebuild? And for some reason, it was very important to me to get closure on if those families were going to rebuild or not. Mm. And both of them are. And that just made me happy. And they said, this is our dream place to be. We're going to definitely rebuild. Wow. I was like, oh, thank goodness. And that that helped me in a way to feel like, okay, we're going to come back. And mm. their debris has been removed. And it's odd because now it looks like nothing was ever there. And that's a really surreal thing to see because now we can see the neighborhood beyond, which we could, of course, never see before. Mm. Um, but I, I do carry hope in my heart that in hopefully a couple of years, you know, they'll be back and it will be as it was before or, you know, close to it. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a big decision. I can imagine that's that's a some level there's that huge desire to to rebuild and and then that other voice saying that like it could happen again you know and it's like could we couldn't we live somewhere safer um right right Right. and And some people are not they're choosing to sell the land and Mm. just say i can't be here anymore which i completely understand as well we've heard really both sides and the people we've heard about who are leaving are empty nesters they don't have to stay for the schools or anything so i'm like let's just start afresh and yeah I can definitely see that oh yeah and it was interesting you talking about you know having your kids there and having this I suppose um group trauma you actually mm-hmm. felt was better than if you'd been separated and they would have been watching this unfold mm-hmm. on television so in some some way it actually felt good to have everybody together mm-hmm. even if it was traumatic or did you feel that it was also sort of a a risk having them there? What a great question. Um, if I could choose for their own mental well-being, I would have said they should absolutely not have been there. Mm. Um, but when I think about the four of us as a unit, because the four of us moved from Boston here, not knowing anyone, and we really created this very strong family unit and in Boston as well, um, it sort of, if this, it sort of made sense. We were there because then only people who go through it can talk to other people yeah. who understand it. Mm. So in, in a way, it is good that we now have this shared, which sounds so awful to say, because I would never want my kids to experience any trauma. Um, but we do have this now shared experience that I can say, 
you know, how are you doing? Oh, I still feel this way. Mm. Oh, me too. And oh, I miss this or whatever it is. And interestingly, the very next day, my daughter was driving in a snowstorm and she was in an accident. She was totally fine, but she totaled our, the car. And so that was an interesting thing because she had trauma from that. And she was like, oh, I shouldn't have left you guys. And it was a whole thing. And what was interesting about that was normally the car would have been, oh my God, what have, oh no. And it was like, okay, what do we do? Right. And it, it, you know, and those kinds of things have just in such perspective. Mm. The car became um, a pencil in a way. Right. Just, <laughs> yes. Just phone job. I lost the pencil, mum. Sorry. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, totaled the car. Well, Same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, same just, it's, thing. it's just a thing. It's just a thing. exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. How are you? How are you? You get that much more deeper personal connection. So, so it must have brought your family together, right, into a really strong unit. Well, it, it did, and we were we were watching the news at night, just you know, because it's one of those things where you can't stop watching because mm. it's your people and everything. And at one point, Jason started crying. And so I started crying. And so the four of us were just all holding each mm-hmm. other. And it was, it felt like a very sacred moment in time. All so right. grateful for that. So now, if I, if I understand correctly, so your house is there, but you, you're not going to be able to live in it, is it? Is it or it's not at the moment, at least. So we, we are thankfully back in. We had to get rid of everything, essentially, made of cloth all furniture beds pillows sheets mm. comforters because even you can't clean like a mattress well enough and what we didn't realize either was when things like refrigerators and cleaning supplies and tires burn that's corrosive material mm. in soot so things like um you know the, the piano we hope we can salvage because mm. the ash was just all in there and um so we had to, you know, new carpet and, and it was very interesting because we tried really hard to pretend like, oh, look, we're getting new carpet. This is great. But it was just, it was awful. It was just, it was awful. And, you know, we had to get new couches, which was great because they were trash, but it was just this, there was just this weight on us of just having to do it. And, you know, loving the new things that we have, but if, if only we had been able to choose, well, in six months, well, this is trash. The kids aren't home again. Let's get a new couch. Right. So that was interesting too, that we really tried and it just, it you know, it didn't work. You couldn't fake it, um, right? You couldn't fake that, that this didn't happen just now. Oh no, we've got a new couch. We can yes. sort of, this, this last three months, six months never happened. It, it, it's still there, right? You still need to deal with that trauma properly and not try and buy your way out of it exactly exactly and and that's where that when those times when you can't choose happiness again we couldn't fake it Mm -hmm. I couldn't dig into my toolbox and use the the normal things so then what do you do and I would say the very first thing we leaned into was gratitude Mm. gratitude we're safe gratitude the house is standing gratitude for the firefighters because our back fence did burn about 30 feet away from the house so that's how close it came right um and just really focusing on that and when we got upset because other really weird things happened like when they were power washing the house from the soot we had a huge flood in the basement because a pipe had cracked while they were displaced. And so that's where 
you know, that was no fun. Right. And that was hard. And then you go outside and I turn to my left and I see the houses that are gone. I'm like, right. Gratitude, gratitude. And that is really, I think, I think that has saved us that choosing gratitude um, immensely. Well, gratitude is so important. I'm glad you mentioned it. It was actually the very first superpower we touched on in the Joy Superpower series with Chris Shemra way back mm-hmm. Ooh, last summer, I think it was. But it, it really is such fundamental characteristic um, of, of joy, of happiness, to mm-hmm. be able, whatever the situation is, to, to find something to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And that can sort of give you the balance, the perspective the ability to adapt based upon that situation not easy as you said and and i'm glad you mentioned that that challenge of choosing happiness within the within the trauma it's incredibly difficult at times and i think as we mentioned to take that perspective of saying it's not euphoric happiness always um but sometimes it's it's contented happiness this is okay um yes and relative to where you were yesterday, relative to where you were when you got up this morning, if you've moved that dial in the right direction in, in this type of trauma, um, that's good enough. Well, it is. And there's also that allowing yourself to feel the trauma, mm. to work through it. Because if one were to just push it away and say, oh, I'm just going to focus on the butterflies and the unicorns, that's that's detrimental to your own health because you do have to deal with the hard things and some days even now four months later they're really really hard I I try not to drive home a certain way because an entire neighborhood was damaged and I had to go that way and I really had to find my breath and Mm. and lean into this you know I'm safe we're safe it's it's okay so, and it could, it could be years of this. So there is, I don't want people to think that, um, you know, choosing happiness is just this kind of blithely skipping along, yeah. ignoring things. It is, it is handling what you have to handle in your life and making the choice to see it one way or another. That's right. And that's where the toolkit comes in, obviously, to help right. people do that. And, and I love the fact you mentioned already gratitude. Now you mentioned breathing as, a, as another wonderful mm-hmm. way to, to tap into that calmness um, in the storm. What about humour? I know you're, you, you, you love to laugh. Um, so, so how is the role of humour in this process? I'll tell you, humour has really saved us on some, some of these days. I, I can share that when we were staying in this lovely Airbnb and the people there were so kind because we thought, oh, it'll be three weeks. And then it was, we have no water. Can it be four weeks? And they were so kind and wonderful. And what made us, and we really, my husband, Jason and I tried to keep each other happy and laughing. And so one thing that ended up being hilarious was in the little notebook of, you know, here's the Wi-Fi password, here's what they said, well, we hired a feng shui expert and so all the furniture is where it needs to be. Please don't move any of it. So we're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. So my husband had to move a table about six inches because we were trying to watch TV from the computer kind of right. thing. So he's like, I'm moving the table. We're like, oh, no. Right. So then she texts him the next day and she's like, I'm going to be coming by with a plumber to fix the table. We're like, put the table back. Put the table back. 
did she notice? I, did she notice? She did not. But that really, or I'd be, you know, look, I'm moving a chair. And that right. just was this silly little thing that, you know, made us just laugh every time. And there was also a, um, a little whiteboard on the fridge that she had written a nice message. And of course, I brushed against it and it totally, you know, it was gone. So we would leave funny messages for each other, Jason and I, during the day. And that was just a little look forward to what's it going to be on the board today and you know so that that has really really saved us mm, adding that finding the humor finding your own humor in a way right so yeah. it's it's not necessarily watching a comedy show or whatever but it's adding ingraining that into your life right how these little things that yeah. you can do um which bring laughter to yourself or to your partner or to your children mm-hmm. um, make it a real superpower amongst this tragedy. I mean, I just, it's hard, as you said, if you haven't been through it to prepare for it, it's hard for somebody to empathize at that deep level if they haven't experienced it themselves. So do you find then now, you talked about the role of family and how well that was helping you. What about the broader community? How do you sense that's played a role in adaptability here? I would say that along with gratitude and humor, service has also really saved mm. us during this time. Right. Because people were so kind and they, you know, do you need meals? Do you need this? And we would kind of say, thank you. We, we're okay. Here's who needs this. Here's where to give money. Here's who needs... Someone, a colleague of my husband's who works across the country, she makes quilts. And she said, I'd love to give you guys a, a quilt that I made. And we said, thank you so much. Please give it to these people who lost everything. Right. And that just, that made all the difference. And we were on a text chain from our little neighborhood and it was so-and-so saying, um, I really need this today. And we would say, you know, I got you. Or it was very funny because we had to be at the house when the water guy came, turn the water back on and we weren't, and they don't tell you when they're coming. Mm-hmm. So thankfully our next door neighbor happened to be home, called Jason and Jason was like, tackle him to the ground, <laughs> you know, hang on to him. I can be there in 20 minutes. Okay. And so thankfully our neighbor was able to do it, but it was it was that we needed each other so badly and we were all there for each other and seeing the community where everybody really came together and housed people and did things like meals and even just said, I'm thinking about you. And I love when people say, I, I can't, eat, I can't imagine what you've been through, but I'm standing with you. Mm. And that's really, really helpful. It is. It's my house at the airport yesterday and I, I just, was guided to sit down and, and met some wonderful people there. And some of them were talking about, a couple talking about how COVID had changed the um, atmosphere in their community, in the cul-de-sac, where, you know, now somebody built the fire pit in the front of the house rather than in the back garden. So the thing is that, you know, whoever's around, the friends, the family, you know, they bring their own stuff to the barbecue and it's just as like a community Friday evening thing. So mm. how wonderful is that, right? To, to say, no, we're not putting it in our backyard just for us. We're putting it out in the front. And, and now we're going away. And if the, the, the neighbors use it when we're on holiday, that's cool. Right? Yeah. So 
those these things can stick i think that's the trick right not just okay we've had this experience Phew, glad that's over we can get back to how we were but how do we take these good things how do we take humor how do we take gratitude how do we take servitude and ensure those continue to be part of our daily weekly lives yes and i think that's what we're going to see in your community i think that the trauma there was such that people will come together in a different way and yeah yeah, I think so. And they're, they're selling all these Louisville strong, you know, t-shirts mm. and we see them around town and there are signs up and there's just this, this shared humanity. We've all been through this after two years of the COVID experience. And there's just this, you know, people are waving to each other and it, it's really a beautiful thing to see. And to be able to, since we all have shared the same experience, obviously to varying degrees, mm. but just to even bear witness to someone else's story. Here's what happened to me. I lost my pet or whatever, and then we can all be there for each other. And I've seen that multiple times. So I guess hard to find the silver lining, but I guess there's one-ish. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sure there is, and I'm sure with time, obviously, the pain from the experience will will heal, and mm. the focus then on to, well, what do we gain from this? What mm. will we be able to take away from this? And we've covered quite a few. I suppose the one we could still mention a little bit about is stuff. Right? Ah. I'm sure you lost a lot of stuff. Uh, you spent a lot of time and money pulling into the house right and, yes and how does and, that feel how does that feel <laughs> I I we're still dealing with that and this is why so when we thought we might lose everything our brains were really into this oh it's just stuff it can all be replaced you know and, and all of that and then when we had to start getting rid of things it was kind of like well I, I wouldn't have chosen to get rid of that but but okay and then um, a company a company did all the inside cleaning. Then they also took all of our textiles that could be saved and small appliances mm -hmm. and took them for cleaning and musical instrument, you know, away for cleaning. And so I was away actually at a funeral and my husband said, well, the guy who was in charge of all of our stuff was abruptly fired and now they can't find any of our stuff. Oh, so that's where I was like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, it's stuff, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I kind of just, oh, you yeah, know. I could have lost it to nature. That would have been okay. Yeah. I didn't want to lose it to that guy, right? <laughs> so we made jokes like, should I get on eBay and see if my, mm. you know, is that where my stuff is? And so um, again, finding the humor in, in all of that. And so when the stuff actually did come back, it was very, very easy because I had made peace with it's gone to then get rid of things like, well, I don't wear this anymore or this is really old. And so I was definitely in a in a mindset of let, let's get rid of things. But I was also kind of like, well, I'd like to get rid of it on my terms. Mm. <laughs> you know, not, um, So much less attachment, much easier to women ready to downsize. It's just going to be really easy. But it, it was kind of interesting to feel like, oh, like, like that purse I bought in Italy, you know, I, I hope I get that back, <laughs> you know, yeah. like just those little things like I, I really like that, <laughs> you know, also saying if it's gone, it's also fine. It you is. Know? 
Also good excuse to go on a holiday to Italy to buy a new one. Right? Right. You could be be thanking the thief for taking that bag. You're going to have a wonderful holiday in Rome. I like it. (laughs) There's always a possibility. That's right. Good thought. (laughs) I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an incredible story, Rachel. I'm so glad you came on today to share it with us. And you have shared not only the great story, but I think also some wonderful tips for people. And, you know, maybe their house hasn't burnt down, but as you mentioned, the C word, you know, everybody in some level has, has struggled through the last two years um, with this trauma. And so I think the lessons are equally valuable um, for the world, whatever type of the situation has been to listen to your story and to, to hear that, even for somebody who chooses happiness every day as a profession, also <laughs> struggles with that in the midst of, of this, this trauma. And that's okay. And that's okay. Thank you for saying that. And the, the, the last thing I wanted to share was when my brain was really trying to make sense of this horror, I called a friend of mine who's an oncologist. And I said, I bet you hear all the time, I did everything right. And I still got cancer. Like what, mm. what? And it was the same thing where we can't make sense of why that house burned and this one didn't and how this happened. And he had this great advice to me. And what he said was, we sort of tell ourselves that we're in control of things in our lives. And to a certain extent we are, Mm. but the things that happen like the big universe things, they're on a different plane. And we have to think of them on a different plane. And that really, there was no controlling 100 mile an hour winds and embers and all that kind of thing. There is sometimes no controlling genetic predisposition to diagnoses, et cetera. So that really helped to get the, how did this happen? Why did this happen to, Mm. it happened. Now, how can we move on from it happening? That helps a lot. That's probably not the best moment to go into meditation or manifestation when the flames are coming towards your house it's probably a, exactly a time. Right. So, okay now's the time to to, to move and, and yes. meditate and manifest maybe later on a different plane on a different exactly. plane i love that thought that, that helps so much to think of these these things happening at two different levels some you can influence some you can't and therefore mm-hmm. the ones you can't the adaptability becomes the key to your happiness of being able to cope through that situation yeah. which you have no ability to control so hopefully our listeners have have enjoyed our chat with Rachel today it's been such a pleasure to have Rachel on the show again I will end with the one question and I normally just ask what brings you joy but now I have to ask has what brings you joy changed from what you would have said last year to what you would say now yes it actually has. Oh, what a great question. Uh, I would say before, what brought me joy was doing things, creating things, um, making sure to be busy. That I, I loved that. And I would say for the past four months, what has really brought me joy is the calm in not doing as much. Mm because nice. I, I wasn't able to do as well. And I was like, I, I'm really going to take a nice long walk today. I'm not counting steps. This is not for any other reason. I'm just going to go and enjoy the fresh air. And that's been a definite 
change in mindset and definitely being more present mm. and saying things, things like, I really have to get that done. It'll get done. I'm going to take a minute to just breathe and be content yeah. right now. Yeah. Time becomes more precious in a way and how you use that time, be more conscious mm. of taking time for yourself and for your loved ones. And not, yes. just, not just running and rushing and letting life slip by. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Well, I hope, listeners, you really did enjoy the chat as much as I did. And if you want to find out more about Rachel and what she's up to, um, her website is choose-happiness.net. And you can also find Rachel on Instagram at rcchoosehappiness and on Facebook at rcchoosehappiness as well and on YouTube at choosehappiness. So we put those... Um, in the notes so you don't have to write all those down but finally <laughs> Rachel you did mention you've got a second book coming along when's that out any little first, secrets first. of how that builds on <laughs> book number one well this one is going to be really more of a a day-by-day um, a little nugget for 365 days of the year. Nice. So the other book was really, you know, open up when you might need something. And this one really is, okay, it's March 20th. What's the word for the day? So that it's going to be a kind of a yearly, not really a journal. You can journal in if you want, but that's sort of the, a, a year of happiness is, is what we're oh, title working with. Yeah. So yeah. we're really hoping by late fall, definitely Christmas. So that's what we're working on. There you go. If you need something on your Christmas list already, there's one to put there. So <laughs> great. Get it on the list. <laughs> so thank you, Rachel. It's been a it's been a pleasure. It's been a blast. And thank you, our listeners, for joining today. If you don't already do so. You know, please follow us, um, The Art and Science of Joy, on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Come join the conversation and help us spread the joy. Um, I hope you tune in next week for the next episode of The Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful, and stay adaptable.